0: Next up, I want to take you back to 2004. It's summertime, and the Olympics have come home to Athens, Greece. The American men's basketball team, known as the Dream Team, was stacked with talent. NBA superstars like Allen Iverson and LeBron James were there, and the U.S. was looking to defend its title as the gold medal champions of men's basketball. Then they played Puerto Rico.
1: South Florida Sun-Sentinel— August 18th, 2004. Puerto Rico stunned the United States 92-73 to in the opening game of the Olympic men's basketball tournament. The loss was a huge blow to whatever basketball ego Uncle Sam has left. People knew the world was catching up to the United States. Now one of its own territories has zoomed past.
0: Last year... Brian spoke to scholar Antonio Santemar about the historic upset. Here they are, along with some help from Nathan and me, recounting the game and what it meant for Puerto Ricans.
2: We we organized a party at the uh, graduate uh, apartments. And everybody brought food from their countries, and uh, we were playing, and then the, the game started. And uh, a lot of attention, of course, the Mexicans were rooting with us for Puerto Rico. And uh, we were there, and, you know, all of a sudden, basket and basket and steal, and they were missing, and we were making the shots, and we were up by 20-something points at the end of the, the, the half. And Oh, my goodness. It was... It, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. It was, uh, there was a lot of jumping, uh, <laughs> screaming. Uh, there was uh, hugging. There was some crying, uh, pulling <laughs> hairs. It, 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 was, it was just an uh, uh, unbelievable scene. At the end of the game, we were extremely tired, exhausted of the energy, but, but, but accelerated at the same time.
0: Wow, that's inspiring stuff. It almost makes me want to lace up my old basketball shoes and get back out on the court.
1: That's a lot of laces, Ed, because as I recall, you were still wearing high tops. At any rate, (laughs) I wouldn't advise it. These were highly trained athletes representing their countries on the world stage. Now, Now, wait a minute. I just want to get this straight. Now, Puerto Rico, a territory of the U.S., could compete against the United States? I don't blame you for being confused, Nathan, but you're correct. It's all down to this thing called sports sovereignty. It dates back to 1948, when Puerto Rico was first invited to participate in the Olympics by the International Olympic Committee. The invitation was part of a larger effort to express anti-colonial sentiment and expand the Olympic movement. Puerto Rico has competed internationally as an independent nation ever since. But before 1948, that wasn't yet the case
2: early on in the 1930s when they started participating in the Central American Caribbean games in you know the, the, the delegation was composed of spanish caribbean peoples with a history of uh, plantation society with a history of of the spanish empire uh, economy uh, mainly catholic society and uh, they, they brought those things to, to these uh, events, but they did it back in the 1930s, holding the U.S. flag, not the Puerto Rican flag. So technically, the delegation was a United States delegation at the Central American Caribbean Games, where the U.S. officially doesn't play because they're not in the Caribbean, but they did have that possession, that territory, and they sent it to these games as a way to be present um, so Puerto Rico's first incursion into the Olympic movement was not necessarily out of an intrinsic motivation, like, oh, we need to participate, we have to get there. No, there, there are multiple instances where Puerto Ricans themselves didn't want to participate um, and wanted to participate with the U.S., Well, you know that the Olympic
1: stage is a very big one. Uh, Are there any examples of uh, Puerto Ricans using that stage uh,
2: to enhance political agendas? The best example is the 1966 Central American and Caribbean Games uh, held in San Juan. And at that time, 1966, you had in Puerto Rico around the sources vary, 18,000, 20,000, 26,000 Cuban exiles uh, living in Puerto Rico, very tied, close to the political leadership and who were putting pressure to the organizers of the games to not invite the Cubans because, of course, for them, Cubans were were dictators. You know, uh, Castro was a dictator. It was a dictatorship. And you bring, let's say, two hundred Cuban athletes, which back then were, were 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 claimed to be, you know, an export of the Cuban Revolution and soldiers of the revolution, the athletic soldiers of the revolution. So, the Puerto Rican leadership, the political leadership, didn't ask for uh, the visas for the Cuban government. So that they said we are not going to invite the the Cuban uh, delegation to these games now the problem is that the according to the Ioc's rules you have to invite every delegation in the region for these games for these regional games, otherwise you are uh, in um, risk. Of losing uh the right to host those games because then you're you're not following the, the you know the the principles of Olympism. That everybody should get together and, and celebrate these things. So it, it it was a very tense uh few months where the Cubans were attacking both the Puerto Rican government and the US government of mixing politics and sport. Everybody was calling everybody for mixing politics and sport. So so what happened then at the end is that the US says okay we're going to we're going to uh, issue the visas because Puerto Rico is part of the US and if we don't allow those visas then the IOC can then say well no you are going against the Olympics rules US so you are not allowed to host any more olympic games so so right there even though Puerto Rico had sovereign Olympics, uh, Olympic sovereignty, and supposedly an autonomous uh, government, the U.S. imposed the permission and, and the visas to the Cubans to go to the island.
1: So it sounds like it, it. It sounds like they're kind of one hand is shaped as a fist, and the other is a handshake. It sounds like kind of. One step forward, two steps back in terms of real independence. It's, it's
2: a true negotiation. It's, um, so they don't know. It's, it's not a delegation that is trying to seek independence through sport. It's, it's not a delegation that is saying, hey, we are here, we want independence, it's a delegation that is saying we are here, we exist as a nation, we are proud of being Puerto Ricans, and we do it uh, being U.S. citizens, by being U.S. citizens, and by having all the uh, uh, benefits of, of being within the U.S. Uh, US political system. Uh,
1: so when you, when you step back and look at that strategy, Antonio, would you say that's been
2: successful Well, it depends on what you consider success. You know, in terms of reproducing the structures of consent to a subordinated political relation uh, or or colonialism, it it is successful. Puerto Rico's Olympic delegation allows for the uh, reproduction, allows for the fueling, the nurturing of a national identity but by doing so as us citizens by doing so without the need of having an independent republic you allow for that uh, escape valve of that nationalistic sentiment and then continue with the uh, right with the political relation whatever it is right and so it's been it's been successful in those regards and I, and i said it's successful in, the man, in 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 helping to maintain a colonial relation. That was
0: Brian speaking with Antonio Santemar. He's the author of The Sovereign Colony, Olympic Sport, National Identity, and International Politics in Puerto Rico.